0: Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. We're continuing our series, The Life of Joseph in the book of Genesis, chapter 43, verse 1. Let it go. You can't hang on to it forever. God wants you to let go and to trust him. What are you holding on to? What are you holding so tightly within your grip? We're so afraid to let things go and to entrust them into God's care. But you have to put Jesus first. You cannot put a person or a thing above him and to hold on to it and to put it in the place of God. And sometimes out of fear and desperation, we hold on to a person or a thing or money or a job, and we're desperate. I can't let it go. It is my security. It is my hope. It's my future. It's my everything. But Jesus needs to fill that spot. He needs to be your everything. This is the story of Jacob. Jacob has lost so much. He lost his beautiful wife, Rachel, his true love, his soulmate, and she died. Then he had the firstborn son from Rachel, which became his favorite son, Joseph. And you know the story of the coat of many colors because Jacob favored his son above all the rest and he held on to him desperately and he slipped through his fingers and he's gone. And now he has a son being held captive in prison, Simeon, his son that he loves so much and he has lost Simeon. And all he has left now in his mind is his baby boy, Benjamin. And Benjamin is everything. Benjamin is the last son from his true love, Rachel. Of course, he's a polygamist, has many wives, actually had four wives. 12 sons, but Benjamin is everything, and he discounts all of his brothers, and Benjamin, I have to hold on to Benjamin, and he's screaming to his sons, I will not let Benjamin go. He can't go with you to Egypt. I'll not release him. He's all I got left. If Benjamin dies, I will die. Have you ever been desperate? Have you ever held on by your fingernails and you just won't let go? It is a battle for Benjamin. Let's read it. Genesis 43, verse 1. Now the famine was severe in the land. So it came about when they had finished eating the grain which they had brought from Egypt that their fathers said to them, go back, buy us a little food. The severe famine covered the known worlds. The land of Israel, Canaan, has no food. The grain is gone, the staple, the bread of life. And so they must go back to buy more food from the storehouses of Egypt. Remember Joseph stored the seven years of plenty for the seven years of famine, they got to go back. You got to return for more food. When I lived in Los Angeles in my college years, I had lost my job in the bank and uh, was running out of food, running out of money, going to lose my apartment. I was afraid to live in my car. Have you ever had it where you open the cupboards and you, you reach way in the back and all you have is the yucky stuff you don't want to eat? And I'm like, garbanzo beans, I'd rather die, you know? And it's like, well, maybe I better eat them. That's all that there's left, you know? And then I'm thinking, but the church ministry, they have they have this huge food pantry and I'll go to the church and... They loaded me up with wonderful groceries, and then it ran out, and I went back again. And uh, there was this new lady who was helping, and I said, please, I really like that tuna. Can I have some more tuna? No, you got enough. You're just being a hog and being greedy. And I was so humiliated and felt like this. I'm sorry. I felt like the little orphan. Please, sir, I want some more. What? You want more porridge? You know. And I was just ripped up. And I was saying, Lord, I never want to go back there again. Well, the brothers must go back to the Lord of Egypt, the governor, who they don't know is incognito. It is Joseph. And he was mean to them and harsh to them and scared them and has held one of their brothers captive, a hostage, to make sure that they come back. Verse 3. Judah spoke to him, however, saying, The man solemnly warned us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Father, it was horrifying. Judah becomes the spokesman of the brothers. From here on out, Judah is the mouthpiece. Judah is running the show. You'd think, you know, well, Reuben, he's... The firstborn, the next, simon he's locked up. Now it's fallen to Judah. Judah becomes preeminent. He takes the lead and the leadership of the family. And Judah, his tribe, his clan, his family, will become dominant among the tribes of Israel. And it is through Judah, the prophecies, that the royal heir will come. The scepter shall not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. Another name for Jesus, Shiloh. Jesus is going to come. The Messiah is going to come from one of the twelve tribes, from the tribe of Judah. The lion from the tribe of Judah. That's Jesus, I think, Aslan, in the Chronicles of Narnia. Judah is the royal family, Remember King David, and Jesus is from the line of David, the son of David, the royal heir who fulfills the prophecies. So Judah stands up to father, and Judah's like, you know that guy was so mean. He's going to destroy us all. He's going to hold us as prisoners next, father. Verse 4. If you send our brother with us, we will go down. And buy you food. But if you do not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you will not see my face unless your brother is with you. He threatened us. I mean, he's locked up Simeon. What do you think he's going to do to us? And Judah is arguing and fighting with his dad. Very unusual in Jewish culture. But he's fighting for his very life. We have to take Benjamin. There's no other way. We refuse, and the brothers solidify together, and they stand up to their father, and they revolt. Have you ever had your children revolt against you? It's because they're scared. They're fighting for their very existence. Verse 6, Then Israel said, Why did you treat me so badly by telling the man whether you still had another brother? You should have never told him about Benjamin. I can't let Benjamin go. I'm holding on to him with every ounce of my strength. Verse 7, but they said the man questioned particularly about us and our relatives, saying, Is your father still alive? Have you another brother? So we answered his questions. Could we possibly know that he would say, bring your brother down? We didn't know this would happen. But Joseph knew. It was Joseph's plot. Joseph has to get Benjamin. And it becomes a human tug-of-war, have you been there, with Daddy pulling on one end and the brother pulling on the other. Jacob is pulling desperately, hanging on to Benjamin. And Joseph is pulling all the way from Egypt. i got to get Benjamin here. And Benjamin is the human tug-of-war rope. Have you ever been in the middle? Have you ever been in the pickle? Have you been fighting for someone? I want my kids. Maybe fighting over an ex. Fighting over a relative. Fighting over your true love. And a human is in between and you're pulling back and forth. But Jacob will lose. And Joseph will win. He is the Lord of Egypt with all the power and the clout and the food. If you want to eat... You're going to release Benjamin. He is in a hard place, this father Jacob. He doesn't want to let go. It's kind of like the dog that hangs on to a bone, and he won't let go. And maybe you have a wonderful stake for him, and you're like, no, I'm not going to let go of my bone. I need the security. I, need, I can't let go of what little I have. And sometimes we miss out on better blessings. And God has something better if you will let go. Verse 8 Judah said to his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, we as well as you and our little ones. Daddy, think. Of the grandbabies. Think of your children. We're going to all starve to death. You're going to sacrifice us all for Benjamin? This is insane. And you know what? Benjamin's going to starve to death too. And we start to become rational and we start to wake up and we realize we can't hold on. If I hold on to this thing, I will lose everything. Have you been there? I have to let it go, if I'm going to save my family, if I'm going to have a future, if I'm going to keep this job, I have to let go of this thing that possesses me, that obsesses me. I have to let go. You have no choice. Verse 9. I myself will be surety for him. You may hold me responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame before you forever. I'm his personal guarantee. Father, I promise I'll hold him closely to my side. I won't let anything happen To Benjamin. I think dad's kind of heard that before, you know. This is like son number three. I've already lost Joseph. I've lost Simeon. And now you want to strip Benjamin? This is too much. I'm between a rock and a hard place. I don't know what to do. The screws are tightening. And God is pressing you to make the right decision. And Judah offers himself. I'm the guarantee. I'm the security. I'll be the sacrifice. I'll carry this burden and the shame and this this horrible load forever. You don't ever have to forgive me if I blow this one. Verse 10. For if we had not delayed surely by now, We could have returned twice. You're stalling the inevitable. You must let go. You're dragging your feet. Have you ever had someone do that? Kids going on the mayor ground and someone's slowing us down because they're dragging their feet. I can't push this thing, you know. Stop dragging your feet. Give up and give it over to God. Pry those little fingers loose and let go of Benjamin. Jacob surrenders Benjamin. Verse 11. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best products of the land in your bags and carry down to the man as a present a A little balm and a little honey, aromatic gum and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Well, if you got to do it, do it right. (laughs) Make a care package of the best that we have left. Everybody likes nuts, you know. (laughs) Give them those pistachios. Some honey. Give them exotic things that we have in Canaan that they don't have in Egypt. We're going to wow them with our gift. We're going to make things right. Uh, As a schoolboy, my mom told me, Johnny, you're going to bring flowers to your teacher. And my mom would cut her beautiful roses that she grew, wrap them in tinfoil, and as a little boy, I had to walk all the way to school holding these stupid flowers. (laughs) And they're all like wilted, and I squish them, you know. And I had to, yeah, Mrs. So-and-so, here's flowers from my mom. was so embarrassed, and my teacher would smile. Oh, Johnny, thank you so much. These flowers mean so much. I'm going to put them on a little vase right on my desk in front of, you know, the whole class. Can I tell you, my mom was smart. I hated bringing those stupid flowers. But it, it opened a way. It opened a door. It created favor and acceptance. And sometimes parents are smarter than we are. And dad knows what he is doing. Verse 12, take double the money in your hand. And take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Well, Walmart, they forgot to charge me. And your parents say, no, you're taking the money back. That's stealing, right? Dad says, we we need favor. We need to do the right thing. Return all those silver coins that they forgot to take as payment. They accidentally put them back in your groceries, right? Well, not exactly. It was uh, ordained by Joseph, ordered it, and it was a gift, a blessing from God. Verse 13, take your brother also, Benjamin, and arise, return the man okay here's the present here's double the money uh, payment for what you got for free and then to buy more groceries and here's little benjamin and judy you better watch him and keep him by your side he's all i have left 14 and may god almighty grant you compassion in the side of the man this lord of egypt so that he will release to you your brother, Simeon, and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. What choice do I have? I need to recognize the almighty God who is omnipotent with all power. I'm brought to my knees. I must release my baby boy, Benjamin, into the trust of God. I don't want to, but I'm forced to. And so I commit him to the Lord God Almighty. Have you been there where you have to trust God? You have to pray. You're brought to your very knees. Oh no, has it come to this that we have to pray? That should have been the first thing we did, right? And many times it's the last to pray and to trust and to release people and things and dreams and hopes into God's hands. If it must be, if I have no choice. Was it Queen Esther and she had to intercede for her people and go before the king without being invited and she is risking her head and she's like, I could die if I go unannounced. This is crazy, but she must go to save the Jews. And Esther says, I will go and if I perish, I perish. Sometimes you have to risk your own neck. You have to risk your own future, like Esther. And you have to trust God with everything. It's like the old song, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Que said, sera. sera. You've got to give it to God. You have to resign to God. You have to step down from your position and your throne and let God be God and you his servant. Have you tried to play God in your life, play God in your family's life, be God at work? Oh no, you're not the judge. Let God be God. Step down, give up your position, and let him Take control. Do you hate giving up control? I know it's hard to give control over to Jesus. Verse 15. So the men took this present, and they took double the money in their hand. And Benjamin, then they arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. I think shaking in their boots, before the great Lord of Egypt, second in command to Pharaoh with his soldiers, his guards, and he's already enslaved, you know, captured one brother. What will he do next? Not knowing the future and praying and trusting God. It's ironic, I think, of another father and son where Abraham was called to give up his favorite son, Isaac. And God says, sacrifice him to me on the mountain that I will show you. And Abraham lifts the knife and in obedience and devotion and love to God. He's willing to sacrifice his future, his true love, his baby boy, Isaac. He lifts the knife. And the angel of the Lord stops him. Abraham, Abraham, don't harm the son. You know, it was just a test to see. To see who you love more. Do you love me more? Am I number one? Or is your baby number one? Is that thing number one? Is that job number one? Is that house number one? Who has first place in your life? And God will call you to sacrifice. I've Sacrifice some homes, some relationships, some wonderful gifts. I didn't want to let go. I hung on to them. And I had to wake up and say, Okay, Jesus, I will give it to you. I will sacrifice it to you. So Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac. Isaac is the father of Jacob. It's like full circle, it's like a rerun. <laughs> It's like what God did to the family, he's now doing to Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is the chain. Stay for lunch as a guest. Boy, is that a twist. He's going to kill us and chop off our heads and make us human slaves. And instead, the great Lord of Egypt says, oh, no, be my guest. Stay in my house for lunch. And it is the peasants, the the Jewish shepherds, that are going to stay in a fancy royal residence of a great lord of Egypt. They're kind of out of place. I don't know if you've been there. I was at this fancy house one time and felt so out of place. I kind of came from a poor family. And this house was like three-story house with waterfalls and gigantic rooms. And I met their poodle, and it was this huge, standard poodle. And it was all cut and, and shaved and just so elegant. And it wore a, a diamond-studded necklace that was more valuable than my car. And it had, uh, on its fingernails, its claws were painted with real gold. And the little poodle looked at me, and it's kind of said to me with its look like, you're white trash, why are you here in my house? (laughs) And I felt, oh my gosh, I've been snobbed by a poodle. How bizarre (laughs) to be out of place. Verse 16. Then Joseph saw Benjamin with them, his dream, his hope. Joseph has a secret dream. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno, at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567, and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.